Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, as we come to the year 2024, it's a good time for reflection, it's a good time for remembrance. It's a good time to remember that our lives are to be those that trust the Lord. It doesn't matter what situation we're in, what circumstance might come upon us, it's what the Lord sends to us in our lives, we are to trust Him. We're to trust Him when things are sunny. We are to trust Him when things are dark and grim. Our faith, our trust, our confidence is always to be in the Lord. And it's a good thing to remember that. The Scripture calls us to remembrance. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the stones of remembrance. Stones after a conquest. Stones that as Joshua laid down so that the children of Israel, when they would cross by them and ask, what do these stones mean? There would be a remembrance of what happened, the event that took place there. We are told by Jesus to remember Lot's wife. We are to remember the the Lord's Supper. We are to remember Christ in the Supper. We are to do these things in remembrance of Him. Paul says to remember us, brother, remember your calling. So it's a good thing to remember trust in the Lord, confidence in the Lord. And this is what the Proverbs are doing for us, especially here. In the early part of the Proverbs, you find Solomon instructing his son, his children. Uh, This is probably because he was instructed by David as well. And therefore, as Solomon wrote uh, most of the Proverbs, Uh, There are instructions to us. Uh, There are short, pithy statements uh, that are given to deal with the realities and the fundamental things of life. Proverbs deal with so many things. That's why people love those Proverbs, because they speak to everything that we have to deal with in life. Speak to your finances, relationships. We saw it when we read through Proverbs chapter 1. Not giving heed to the wicked words of the unbelieving world, and even of believers who come at you with not the words of truth. We're not to take heed to those things. We are to listen to the wisdom of God's word. Now, the the Hebrew understood wisdom is a skillful living. It wasn't just simply uh, theoretical, um, more in line with the Greek teaching, but this had uh, more to do with practically living out so, for instance, you find the, uh, the two builders in Matthew 7. If you're wise, you're taking heed in applying then what is instructed you of, what is given to you for instruction about life. If you're wise, if you're a fool, you don't take heed. You do your own thing. Because that's what fools do. They hear the wisdom, they hear the words of the wise, but they say, that's foolishness. I've got no time for that. I'm going to do my own thing. Isn't that how a lot of people live? Most people live, even people in the church. I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, how I want to do it. I know what the Bible says, but I think. Well, obviously you don't know what the Bible teaches. If that's your attitude. Oftentimes I run into counseling situations with the marriage relationship in that way. Where divorce happens, and then this woman had married an unbeliever, and she said, but I thought I could. You you can't convert the soul. That's foolishness to even think so. Uh, You're not to even enter into that relationship to be unequally yoked to an unbeliever. So, wisdom. Wisdom given to us 
for practical daily living, not throwing in with the unbelievers, not running according to their foolishness, not listening to the ways of the world. We are not to be conformed to this world. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Our minds are to be renewed. It can only be renewed through the truth. And all truth is God's truth. So is it a truth? Is it God's truth that 2 plus 2 is 4? Yes. The laws of mathematics we find in God's Word and man discovers these things. This is the truth that God has in His Word. So, uh, we are then in remembering this. We are remembering to trust in God's Word. Look at verse 5, 6, 7, and 8. In verse 5, uh, what we learn there about trusting is believing the Word of God. That's verse 5. Uh, verse 6, what do we find? Is trusting God's providence. God's providential care over us. Uh, look at in verse 7, speaks about walking in humility. You know, not being wise in our own eyes, our own conceits. And then you have the result of living this way. And it's a blessed result that God gives you health to the flesh. And it is strength to the bones. So, beginning in our text this morning, trust. What does it mean to trust? To trust means to rely upon. To trust means to put all of your confidence in. And the scripture calls us to trust in the Lord. To trust in the Lord's wisdom. To trust in the Lord's providence. To trust in the Lord's working in our daily lives. To trust what God says in his word. Uh, without any complaint, without any re reservation. What God said is truth. God's word is truth. We are sanctified by the truth. So we are to trust. We are to trust when we don't understand. Now, there are some quotes. Spurgeon really can turn some good quotes. Uh, when, you, when you can't understand his way, trust his heart. Does that mean to trust his heart? Believe his word. Believe what he says. There are things that happen to us in this life and you, don't, you can't make rhyme or reason of it. It's the tapestry in the backside that is all twisted and turned and everywhere and you don't get it. Trust the Lord. Trust God when you're going through difficult times. It, it, it's, it's not an easy thing. I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm not trying to say that it is easy. It's not easy. It's hard. Faith is a struggle. Trusting is a struggle. It's the fight of faith. The Apostle Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. Fight. It's a trust. It's, it's, it's a difficulty to live the Christian life. Now, you find that all throughout Scripture. You find the difficulty of people trying to trust the Lord, trying to lay hold on the promises, trying to believe His Word. What happened with the Israelites? Why is it that they wandered 40 years in the wilderness? Because they didn't believe the word of God. What happened to Adam and Eve when they fell? And Adam fell in the garden and was perfectly righteous. Why was it? He didn't believe what God said. And he's in his perfect righteous condition. He is created mutable. He is created so that he can fall. He could fall. And he did fall. But he didn't trust. What about Peter? 
Lord, if it's you, command me to come out to you. And he walked on the water, and what happened? He began looking at the waves and the wind. They lacked trust. And what happened? He began to sink. So it is, we find this going on in the lives of God's people. And it's a, it's a mixed bag. You find Peter declaring, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Where are we going to go, Lord? You and you alone have the words of eternal life. And yet, if all of these forsake you, I never will. Satan has desired to sift you and have you like wheat. But I've prayed for you. Peter was confident in himself that he wouldn't fall. That's lacking faith and trust in the word of truth. Abraham did the same thing. From your own loins is going to come a son. You'll name him Isaac. Well, he thought maybe it's the handmaiden from Sarah. And there Ishmael came. Now we have the contention that goes on between the believing and the unbelieving seed. So it is, Abraham believed God and it's accounted to him for righteousness. Mixed bag. Understand that, beloved. Our faith is not perfect in this life. We're partially sanctified in this life. I think what a huge deficiency in the life of the church today is the understanding of the doctrine of sanctification. Uh, you have those that think they're still totally depraved, and you have those that think they're in a perfect state. And both of them are in error. We struggle in this life. And the reason we are not cast out is because we are covered and clothed in Christ. That is our position. But practically, we are working out our salvation with fear and trembling. That's a daily thing. Trusting in the Lord. The more that you are in the Word of God, cultivating the truth of God's Word, the more that the Holy Spirit creates within your heart a strengthening of faith to believe the promises of God. So no matter what the world says, you lay hold of what God says in His Word. All things are working together for good to those who love God. It doesn't say that all things are good. It says all things are working together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Now when you're going through wicked things coming upon you, you don't see it working together for your good. You don't feel it working together for your good. But beloved, we don't live by sight and we don't live by feeling. We live by faith in the promises of God. That's what faith does. Faith believes. You've got to speak that to yourself. I have to speak that to myself. Speaking the word to yourself again and again and again, over and over and over. It's muttering, it's speaking, it's meditating, it's rolling around in your mind. That's what meditation is. It needs to be spoken to our heart. Why are you so downcast, O oh my soul? Put your hope in God. The psalmist began speaking to his heart to lift his heart up out of the melancholy. And it's, it's not an easy task. But that's what the calling of, of the Christian uh, in this world. So we're to trust the Lord with all of our heart. Now, when it speaks of all of our heart, none of us, if you think of it in this sense, that with all of your fiber you're trusting the Lord, you're deceived. Because the moment that you sin, you are not trusting the Lord at that moment. You're trusting in yourself. What it means here about trusting the Lord with all of your heart is that you are not to have a divided heart. You remember Elijah on the Mount Carmel. 
How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, serve Him. If Baal is God, serve Him. You can't serve them both. So you don't have a divided heart. The, the man who has a divided heart, James says, is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. He is, it literally means a two-souled man. And he's using a metaphor of a man who's facing two different ways. He's got one foot in the world and he's got one foot in the church. He's playing footsies with both. He wants both. All right, he's unstable. He's unstable as water. Right? And so we are not to be those that have a divided heart. God's word is truth. Think about this. 1 Corinthians uh, the, uh, 1, the Apostle Paul writes that Christ has become our justification, sanctification, our wisdom from God. Christ is the wisdom of God. Christ is personified as wisdom in Proverbs chapter 8. We also read in Colossians chapter 2 that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are deposited in Christ. So to look anywhere other than the Lord Jesus Christ for wisdom and understanding is to be a fool. So I don't need to go to the worldly wise. I need to listen to what God's word says. As a matter of fact, we find that in Proverbs 1, also in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the path of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful. Where is his delight? Law of the Lord. The law of the Lord instructing us. That path is safe. That path causes you to flourish, to produce fruit to the glory of God. And so this is the call. Believe God's word. And when you do, you're going to trust the Lord without a divided heart. God says this in his word, and the world says contrary. You remember, the Lord knows on the day that you eat of it, you're going to become like him. And so here's Adam and Eve, especially Eve, is the weaker vessel. And Eve has the temptation now to think for herself, okay, here's the thesis, here's the antithesis. I'm going to be the arbitrator. I'm going to choose myself which one is truth. And she fell. The world comes at us with the same thing. Do this. Do that. Do the other thing. It doesn't matter what the Word of God says. Do all these things. We are coming at it with a divided heart. So, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. The leaning there has an idea of putting your weight upon. Think about an elderly individual who has a cane or a walker. It's holding a lot of their weight. It's keeping them supported so that they don't fall on their face. Whether it's a cane, whether it's a walker, or some other. Um, you are not to lean your weight on your understanding. My understanding, your understanding is extremely limited. We know very little. Oh, I know. We think we know a lot. We know very little. We must go to the school of Christ and be taught from the word of Christ about the things with regards to faith, life, doctrine, the word of truth. So if you lean on your own understanding, you're going to fall. It is going to break, it is fragile, it is frail, it comes to nothing. The wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. When 
When a young person decides they're going to run off to college, nothing wrong with higher education, but you've got to be careful, don't you? People ask me, well, what about the Christian college, or what about this and that? You know, I have a problem when uh, young kids go to, like, Christian colleges. Number one, they're not Christian. It's people that are Christians, not, not colleges. They're Christians teaching at a college, at a university. And why I have a problem oftentimes when kids run off to, um, you know, teaching environments such as that is because they have a tendency to let their guard down. Because they say it's Christian here. And there's a lot of paganism that's there. And so they're lacking discernment. They lack going in, being discerning. You go into a secular university, you already know what you're going to get. You already know the secularism. Now, I don't recommend that either. But I'm saying that when, wherever you go to school, you have to be discerning whether it's so-called Christian or whether it's secular. You have to be wise and understanding and discerning through God's word. And when you do, you, you recognize that you are standing upon the truth and you are able to discern truth from error. But think about this, when they go, do they ask the question, is there a faithful congregation to worship? Is there a place to gather to worship the Lord? Or is it just simply about where I'm going to school? Because I've run into that numerous times. Kids run off, go to university, and then they're calling, there's no church here to worship. Why don't you think about that before you went? Well, because this has the best for blah, blah, blah. So really, you weren't seeking the Lord, you were seeking you. You were seeking your career. You were seeking all about you. It wasn't about the worship of the Lord. That is really a deficiency within the life of the church today. And you know where it starts? It starts in the home. We learn that from parents. And parents teach that philosophy to their children who teach it to their children. And it goes on and on. We're perpetuating ignorance and immaturity in the life of the church because we're not cultivating the truth of God's word. And we're not causing our children to understand what in all of their seeking that they are to seek first for, and that's the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We don't do that. We're leaning on our own understanding. If you think you are walking into the kingdom of heaven by your good works, you're leaning on your own understanding. I heard somebody on the radio that said, uh, you know, pray this prayer and you become a Christian, you know, that Arminian little ditty that they have. And then he says, I want to be the first one to congratulate you. That's what he said. Let's clap and applaud me because I was smart enough to make this decision. Really? I mean, that's what we've come down to in the Christian church is applaud and congratulating one another, backslapping one another, because you were smart enough to make a decision for Jesus. Uh, no, I wasn't. It was the Lord regenerating my soul, creating faith in my heart to believe, and I don't even know what's going on at that point. So we're leaning on our own understanding when we're doing that. He moves on and he speaks about then in all of our ways. Now this deals with the providential hand of God, trusting God's providence. We saw that in the confession this morning. Trusting God's providential hand, his governance over all things. This is not an easy thing to do. 
And so it's something that we must continually come to the Lord with. Lord, strengthen my resolve to trust you no matter what situation I'm going through. Beloved, when you know you have weaknesses, and we all have them, one in this way and one in that, but we all have them, take it to the Lord and ask. Confess it. Confess your weakness. Confess the difficulty that you're having. Pray that the Lord gives you strength and resolve and commitment, perseverance, that you would be principled in these particular things. What else are you going to do? If you don't do that, then you're going to lean on your own understanding. You're going to try to wump it up yourself. And you can't do that. God alone gives that understanding. And so in all your ways, acknowledge Him. What does that mean? It has the idea of acknowledging God in all the ways that you take. In other words, I am where I am at by the providential hand of God. I'm not there by chance. I recognize if the Lord wills, I will live and do this or to do that. James says that the one who says, I'm going to go off to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy, sell, and make a profit, and you don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring. Your life is like a vapor. You're here today and gone tomorrow. And if you don't recognize God willing, if you don't have an eye to the providential hand of God, then James says you're a fool. Your life will be taken from you. It's the man who tears down his barns, builds bigger barns, and says, take your ease. You have all that you need. This night, your life will be required of you. We always are to approach all things with an eye to the providential hand of God. And we are to understand all things as God's ruling, governing providence in our lives. Nothing by chance. Nothing by whim. Nothing out of the blue. Nothing by luck. Nothing by fortune. It is God's will. It's God's design. It's God's purpose. There's no coincidental meetings. There's no chance meetings. All things are designed by the hand of God. Now, yes, that, 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 that blows your mind. That is far beyond our ability to comprehend. But nevertheless, because we can't comprehend it, doesn't mean that it ain't so. Beloved, we're not rationalists. We're not humanists. You know, we're not the measure of all things. God's Word is. And this is the teaching of God's Word. So acknowledge Him. How, do you, how are you doing with that? How are you doing of acknowledging the hand of God in things? You remember Joseph and his brothers? Joseph is, here he is, the second in command of all of Egypt. His brothers come to buy grain. And Joseph has them, uh, the Egyptian slaves, put their money back into the sacks. And the brothers go off. And this is what they say. They see this money. They, they think they're doomed. They think they've got some big problems now. What is God doing with us? That's what they acknowledge. It's better than most Christians today. What is God doing to us? When Joseph is in prison... What is God doing? God, what are you doing? It's crying out. Joseph knows he's not there by chance. He's there by design. He doesn't know all the intricacies of it. But he knows the hand of God in this. We talk about the devil is in the details. No, God is in the details. God is in all of the details. Weaving it all together for his glory and the good of his people. Acknowledge him, beloved. Be those people that recognize the hand of God's providence in your life. And in this way, He directs your path. He guides your path. He causes your path to be smooth as you walk in this life. 
It is a glory to God to give him honor and praise. It is a glory to God to recognize his hand of providence in all things. The older writers, the 1700s, 1800s especially, they, they speak in this way of providence. Now, it's, it's a word that they're using to refer to God, but it's providence. Providence has brought me thus far. Providence has not allowed me to do this. Providence has kept me from this. They mean that God's hand, right? Uh, R.C. Sproul wrote a book, The Invisible Hand of God, and it deals with providence. That God is providentially working, ruling, and reigning in the kingdoms of men. He directs our path. I need my path to be directed. I need God to smooth out my path. I need God to guide me in the path of life. You know, oftentimes we don't know what to do. We don't know where to go. We don't know how to approach it. Well, we're to take all things to the Lord in prayer. And as we come to the Lord in prayer, we're casting it upon Him. And what are you waiting for? God guides and directs by the principles of His Word. There's not going to be writing in the sky. It's not going to be stamped on your forehead. God works in and through His Word by His Spirit, directing orchestrating, guiding his people. I am guided. Now, there are things, beloved, I can say no to. It's not sin. I can say yes to certain things that are not sin. It's not wrong for me to say, no, not at this time. I can't do it. It's just simply using principles. I don't have enough time to be able to do it. There's nothing wrong with that. God gives us wisdom, and he calls us to use it, to work in, through, in and through the word of God, being guided in this way. So, uh, don't be wise in your own eyes. God directs our path. And that's the second or the third thing there in verse 7 is humility. Humility. It's, what does the song say? It's hard to be humble when you're so as good as I am or whatever that is. When you're so, you know what I'm talking about. It's a country song. I forget what the words are. It's hard to be humble when you're as good as I am or as beautiful as I am or whatever that is. <coughs> That's our world. That's the world in which we live. That's the songs produced in this world. Humility, people say. Humility? Well, that, that's, who came up with that? I heard one time on, a, uh, oh, this is years ago, on an MTV uh, interview, and I think it was Queen Latifah. She said something like, did you know humility was a virtue? A virtue? Humility? What idiot came up with that, she said. Why? Because we live in a world of pride. Be prideful. Gay pride. Be proud of your homosexuality. Taunt yourself. Go out there and just parade yourself. Let everybody look at you. Be proud of your sexuality. That's the world in which we live in. And that pride is in all of us. That pride is within us, beloved. It needs to be rooted out. It needs to be rooted out continually. And what does that? The Word of God. The Word of God teaches us to be humble, to walk in humility. And I think this is a problem, is that if we don't know God well, if we don't know Him in a deep way, then we don't know ourselves. And we don't know ourselves and who we are before the true and living God. We walk in pride. We walk in arrogance. We walk with the nose held high and the chest puffed back out and beating upon my chest like King Kong. Look at me. Look what I have done. And you know what you are? You know what I am? Dust. Dust. 
In a moment, your life could be taken from you. In a moment, a car crash, heart attack, stroke, cancer, murder. I read in the news yesterday, uh, a New York City uh, police sergeant killed his wife and his two kids and shot himself. 26 years on the force, in a moment. How they discover it? They didn't show up for his shift. The pride of our lives. We're to get rid of pride. The world teaches you to be proudful. Scripture teaches us to be humble. Why? Because even the faith that we have is a gift from God. What do you have that you haven't received? In whose, in whose uh, hand do you live? It is the breath of all men in the hands of God. It's in Him we live. And so don't be wise in your own eyes. Beloved, when you start contending with the Word of God, when you start discounting, marginalizing, pushing aside the truth of God's Word, uh, you're being wise in your own eyes. When you say things like, I know that the Bible teaches this, but I think, you're, you're acting as a fool. And we all do it. We all do it from time to time. When you weigh it out, okay, Sunday comes, Lord's Day worship, but I have this function over here to do, I'm just going to go to that. You're acting as a fool. Our, our, our responsibility, our duty, our pleasure, our privilege, our blessing is to gather together with the church of Jesus Christ on the Lord's Day, worshiping Him. That's not being wise in your own eyes. That is fearing the Lord. Notice, if you're wise in your own eyes, you are not going to fear the Lord. And this fear is not trembling and cowering like God is going to bring the hammer down upon you. What it means is reverence. What it means is obedience. What it means is the worshipful attitude to submit to the Word of God. That's what fear of the Lord means. The fear of the Lord, notice, the wisdom of God, the reverence for God causes me to depart, to leave off evil, to walk away from evil. But if you have no fear, no reverence, no adoration, no worship, no respect of the Word of God, then what happens? You partake of the evil. And you discount the Word of God. You belittle the Word of God. That's the whole world in which we live. But Solomon is instructing his children, don't be that way. You've got to speak this, beloved, to your heart. You've got to bring it to yourself again and again and again. We easily forget. You know, we have New Year's resolutions. At what point in the new year did you forget about your resolution? Well, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. And then you get to what? March and you've forgotten all about your Bible reading program. You miss a day, you miss two days, you miss three days, you miss four days, you miss a week, and the next day, ah, forget it. And then you just dabble. You're here and there and you're all over the place, but you never really systematically read through the Word of God. So what does that mean? We've got to continually remind ourselves of these truths. Fearing the Lord. The reverence for the Word of God. On this one will I look. And he who trembles at my word. He is of a contrite spirit. And therefore he trembles at the word. Trembles in fear and reverence of the holiness of God. Our world does not recognize, acknowledge the holiness of God. And yet that's what we find of, of the attributes. Holy, holy, holy. No other place in scripture is that said about the attributes of God. But the holiness of God. That encompasses all of his attributes. Our God is holy. He is not to be regarded as common. 
He's to be regarded as holy. And so we approach Him reverently. We approach Him with diligence. We approach Him with awe. And so we come to worship Him. So we depart from evil. This has a blessed result. It is health to your flesh. Long life is coming from obedience to the Word of God. Health to your life, both physically and spiritually, it brings health. Why? Just simply following the Proverbs, listening to what God says in His Word. It brings strength to your constitution, moral fortitude. It's a help, it's a strength, it's a guide, it's a direction, it's a teaching. And this is what happens in the life of the Christian. Being strengthened and built up in the knowledge of the truth so that we might honor and glorify and worship our Lord. Trust in Him. Believe His Word. Trust His providence. Be mindful of His working in all of the intricacies of your life. You know, it's hard, beloved. This is a difficult. It's hard to speak it to yourself. That's why we need to be speaking truth to one another. We need to hear it from one another. Yes, you need to keep on continually repeating it to yourself, but you need people saying it to you as well. That's the encouragement that goes back and forth. You know, sitting under the Word of God. I don't often, I'm not all the time learning new theology as I'm hearing sermons, but I'll tell you what I do know and what is being taught in God's Word is being reinforced in my heart. And we need that continually. To hear it again and again and again. It doesn't get old. That's what the Apostle Paul and Peter said. It's not tedious for me to write the same things to you, but for you it is safe to hear it again and again and again. That's what we, we sing that song. Sing it over again to me. The wonderful words of life. We want it. We need it. And it comes as a strengthening to the soul for the glory of God. Believe His Word. Trust His providence. Walk in humility. And notice the end results that the Lord brings. You will be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. And your leaf doesn't wither. And whatever you do will prosper. Amen. Shall we pray?